Welcome to the YouTube Creators Hub podcast, where we help you conquer the internet one video at a time. We cover everything from how to start a YouTube channel to how to make a video go viral. And now, here's your host, the one and only Dusty Porter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the YouTube Creators Hub podcast. My name is Dusty Porter, the host of the show, and I am just so excited to be here today. I've got a fantastic interview for you. I think you guys are going to find so much value out of this one. If you are a YouTube creator, whether you're just starting, you've been on YouTube for a while, this podcast is for you. I interview great YouTube creators, small, medium, large, doesn't really matter, and I talk with them about their journey on the platform as a video creator, as a content creator, as someone who is on the internet publicly, and it's a behind-the-scenes look of kind of what they do to, to succeed on the platform, and hopefully this can be some valuable insight every single week when I release these interviews, and I've done over 160 interviews now that you can go back and listen and hopefully find a nugget of value that can help you on your journey as a content creator. I'd like to give a huge shout out and thank you to TubeBuddy, that tool that I always recommend to people. They are the primary sponsor of this show. If you don't know what or who TubeBuddy is, check them out in the show notes below. You will not regret it. Also to the fine folks over on patreon.com slash Dusty Porter uh, for as little as two, three, four, five bucks a month. You get access to a private discord area. You get access to have links on the website. You get access to a behind the scenes episode that I record just for patrons, letting them know what is going on personally and professionally with me every single month. We've got a bunch of new patrons this week. Um, we have Jessica Flynn, Elizabeth P. Scott, uh, Kay Roberts. Evan Roberts and Dave Gregory. Thank you all so much for joining the Patreon team over there. Uh, it is because of people like you that I am able to put in the time and the effort that it takes to create a podcast of this quality. It takes time to go and find guests and create high quality audio and get the stuff that you need to make sure that this podcast is going to be you know, helpful to someone. I love getting tweets. I love getting information on Facebook of, hey, this really helped me out or this one episode was, was so dynamic. It really helped me out. Also, if you would, subscribe to the show. Let iTunes, let Spotify, let Google Play know that you appreciate the show. That will help me out in the search results, and it'll help you out because you will get notified every single week when we release a new episode. All right, so without any further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's conversation on the YouTube Creators Hub podcast. I'm Dusty, the host of the show, as always. Today, I'm joined by Josephine Desmet, a 24-year-old singer-songwriter from Belgium. On her channel, she mainly posts original songs and covers, but she also does tutorials and behind-the-scenes content like songwriting live streams. Her style of music is dark pop, either a bit more dancey or related to a stigma, to lend a voice to people who don't have one in their current situation. Josephine, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm just so excited about having you on the podcast. You've been on my radar for a few months now. Not only one person, but two or three multiple people on Twitter, through DMs or Facebook, whatever, messaged me and said, you need to have Josephine on your podcast. And so that, that led me to kind of check out what you're doing over on, at your channel. And I am super impressed. So before I get too far ahead of myself, if you would tell my audience a little bit more about you and your YouTube channel. Um, I started originally in 2010, and it was uh, basically just posting songs, no interaction with my audience whatsoever, uh, because YouTube 
wasn't really a thing back then. And I kept doing that until 2015, quit for two years, but then I felt something was missing. So I came back in 2017 and slowly I started moving more towards specifically a songwriting niche. Okay, so on your channel now, you do a lot of covers and you also do these extended live streams where you are editing and writing and things like that. Explain, yeah. explain kind of how that came to be, where you're doing these four to six hour live streams of you editing songs, writing songs. Explain kind of how that happened. Well, um, the thing is, I feel like I like doing live streams and the process of making music and editing can be kind of lonely. Mm. And at the same time, people are interested and want to know like how everything works. And instead of just explaining things, I thought like, why not bring them into the creative process and have them be there while I make the song and we can have a little chat while we're doing it. And sometimes I even get input from them on like, hey, maybe you should change that note or maybe you should add that in there which can completely transform the song and make it even more interesting. You so know, for me, it's It's really funny. Cool. It's funny that you say that because, you know, editing video or editing audio, I assume I'm not a, I don't even want to act like I am a songwriter or a musician. I play guitar and bass, uh, but I'm definitely not what you are, you know. And But it's funny that you say that it's kind of a lonely profession. It's a lonely thing to do. And you're right, it kind of is. And now that we can kind of, I remember, I also, um, one of the things I do on the side is I film weddings and I edit wedding videography mm -hmm. and things like that. I remember the first time I streamed myself for about two to three hours editing one of my wedding videos. And it was so cool because I could bring them into that process, not only allow them to see what I'm doing, but maybe even add feedback and give me kind yeah, of a little bit of feedback to bounce off of. And as a creator, not just for audio, but for video too, it's so cool to have that feedback, that live feedback of what do you guys think of this edit or this shot or this transition? Yeah, exactly. It's such a neat process. Have you found that to be the case with, with your streams as well? Yeah, exactly. Because also as a songwriter, it's really easy to stay in that bubble and not really allow feedback to come in because you make something. Um, you, when you make a song, you put yourself in a very vulnerable position and it's really easy to be convinced that whatever you create is really good and staying like getting sort of out of that bubble, letting people in can sort of break that and open your perspective a bit. Yes, absolutely. It can, because a lot of times as a creative, we get stuck sometimes maybe in a rut or in a place to where we do the same things over and over again. But yeah. if we get a new set of eyes, it's one of those things to where it's like, Oh, I never thought of it that way or, yeah, oh, you make a very good point. So completely, completely agree there. Um, how did you get started on YouTube? Like what was the process of, okay, I'm going to create a YouTube channel now? Okay, that's the weirdest story ever probably <laughs> or the cringiest. I actually originally started posting songs and covers onto Facebook because like in 2008, 2010, YouTube wasn't really this big thing that everything, everyone wanted to participate in. Um, so I started posting on Facebook and one day my mom is like, have you heard about this American songwriter that got discovered on, on YouTube? She was actually talking about Justin Bieber back then. And then she was like, maybe you should post, post your songs on YouTube. And so I, I, uh, I did. 
I started doing that. I had a little camcorder back then. Those videos are still up because I like people to see sort of the progress. So yeah, you're, you're um, telling me that Biebs basically led you to YouTube. Is that what yeah, you're, is that what you're, is that what you're telling me? And I'm not really that much of a fan at all. <laughs> I don't mean I don't dislike him, but it's not like uh, like I'm a crazy F Bieber fan girl or anything. But yeah, somehow he did. <laughs> that is one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. That is so cool. It's like he led you to YouTube. You know what? That's awesome. Um, let's talk about YouTube as a business right now. Are there any ways at all, or you know, that, that you are monetizing and making money from your YouTube content? Uh, to be fair, not really. I have everything set up to where if if my channel would move further, that would be a possibility. But for now, not that much buyers, to be fair. Uh, someone w had a generous gift of w 100 euros. <laughs> so that was fun, but not really a consistent income or anything. So I love that. And people think, and they've, they've, they've criticized me at times, they're saying, well, you only bring people onto your podcast who are making money or who are doing this as a business, and I want to prove them wrong. YouTube can just be a hobby. YouTube can just be a thing that, listen, you're not monetizing right now, but at the end of the day, it's one of those things to where it, it, it grows, and if you do end up making money, that's just a plus, right? Yeah, and a lot of people blame creators who make money but like even having enough income from it to where your hobby pays for itself is already such a huge positive aspect that YouTube can bring you. Yeah, it really is. And you get to meet some cool people. How has your community grown? Because when I watched the live stream and I lurked in there, I told you before we went live that I kind of lurked in a stream for a few hours of yours. You kind of have the same people in that really cool community that's grown around your music and your creations. How does that kind of how has that grown over time? Well, it's really funny because I think a couple of weeks back I had 800 subscribers and I was already super grateful because the comments they leave also, it's not just like good song and it ends there. It's like they always put a lot of thought into what they write and I really appreciate it. They actually always have something really cool and well thought to say, which is really cool to me. And like in live streams too. And I feel like I actually know these people and a lot of them I know like first name basis, which I think is funny because like 800 people is still a lot. <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, there was a, there was a pretty large number of growth the past weeks because of, uh, I don't know if you know this creator, Rumi Official. Mm -hmm. Um He's a he's also a songwriter, but a really large one. And he organizes these challenges where you you make a cover or an original song or a remix, whatever he asks you to do. And he always puts like a creative spin on it. And so I made a cover of Dance Monkey, and I posted it. Didn't really think it was gonna be featured because everything I made before that wasn't featured. Um, but lo and behold, I was in his video and. I doubled my subscribers because of that. That's just really cool. That is such a neat story. I love collaborations that lead to growth yeah. on, on on both ends. Um, uh, really, really quickly, not not really quickly. I want you. I don't know why I said that. Let me expound upon this. 
If you could give a new YouTuber some advice about you know starting a YouTube channel or even someone who's been on YouTube for a while who wants to grow their channel, their following, what would be that piece of advice? Um, I would say don't just listen to like YouTube gurus, if you will, like Brian G. Johnson, Nick Nimmin. Don't just listen to them, but actually really apply what they are saying um, and be be really critic critical critical <laughs> um, be critical of yourself because it's really easy to like I said before to um, to be in that bubble and to be convinced that whatever you create is good really look at your audience what they want and train yourself to be honest to yourself and for example not put blame on YouTube's algorithms but actually have the nerve to look at your own content and criticize it like this is what I would find interesting, but there's a discrepancy between what between what my audience would want and what I'm currently making. And look at other channels in your niche and think, what do I actually like about this? What can I do better? Or what am I doing better than them? Where can I be different? Stuff like that. That's so hard for us to be self-critical, right? For us to be our yes. own critics because we get in this thing, like you said, you, you said it perfectly, a bubble where we, we are like, oh, well, what we do is great and we cannot get any better and this and that. And we know all these YouTube experts say to do this and that. It's one of those things to where I've had to learn to take a step back, look at my content and send it out to people. And it's one of those things to where I'll send videos to my family, my friends, and I'm like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And you know, I do tutorial videos like you do some as well. And I'm like, hey, if you needed to know how to do topic A, B, or C, would this help you? Would this be valuable to you? You've got to be able to take that critique and you've really got to be able to understand that it's okay to take advice. It, yeah. it doesn't make you weak because a lot of times we think it makes us weak as creators. So how did you get over that hump to now see, oh, I need to be my own you know, worst self-critic. That way I can get better and, and, and evolve as a, as a person and a creator. Well, how did I get over that? It's pretty simple because I noticed I wasn't growing at all uh, because I was convinced that what I was making was good. And now I tend to criticize everything that I do, but I'd rather have that than being stuck in like, a mediocre state of creation I sort of learned and accepted now that if people criticize me if people would even hate on me like that's completely fine as I'll, as long as I can see some point of value in that and that can help me grow yeah absolutely I could not agree more um, so what is something Josephine that you wish someone would have told you when you first started out on YouTube um, that's a good question, actually. Um, well, I think just tips about music specifically, uh, specific tips towards my niche, but because it's not because someone gives you advice that's pretty general that that necessarily applies to your channel. And for a lot of advice, that is the case, but there's specific tips that I could have gotten that could have helped me in the past. So what, what would be, that makes sense. yeah, what would be a couple of those that th just examples of, of one or two of those? Well, for example, um, something that I actually got as a tip, I, uh, I gotta be honest, was instead of what I was doing, 
was like taking a track from somewhere, an instrumental track, and singing to that. That's pretty boring. That's a pretty boring way to make a cover. And now I actually try to make covers originals. So I changed the song. I put my own twist to it. And I add a, a pretty cool video to it to make my cover stand out. Because a lot of people just sing in front of a mic. So you have to find a way to, for example, look at what your competition is doing and think like, how can I be different than everyone else? Let me ask you this, speaking of being different, I have spoken with and worked with a number of musicians, uh, Mm -hmm. small, medium, and large, on YouTube. Why do you think it's so difficult and so hard for musicians to now get noticed on YouTube? Well, it depends. I feel when you're making covers, a lot of the big creators immediately jump on those covers, and they're able to make something high quality in a very short amount of time so that they get noticed very fast. When you make original songs, you're making something that people don't know exists. So if they look for that, well, they can't actually look for your song because they don't know it exists yet. So what I started doing was um, I started titling my videos instead of with a song title with a topic because people don't look for example for a song called shine but they will look uh for sad song about someone who passed for example Hmm. i love that so instead of like just putting the title of your original song you actually put a little bit of kind of feeling and emotion in it and when you title it you're not just putting the title of the song because it's so hard for an original artist who's just starting yes. and up and coming unless they get picked up by a big creator, right? Or a big musician and they repost it on their Instagram or Facebook, whatever it may be, right? Exactly. But YouTube is a search engine. So you have to find a way to make YouTube work for you. Mm-hmm. So by titling it that way, people who are in that situation actually look for songs that apply to whatever they are feeling at that moment. And that's something you can play into. And also something else I did is every song that's on my channel, instead of just having one big playlist with original songs, I made a playlist called Original Songs with a bunch of playlists in that that are all um, that are all organized by a certain topic or theme. So if they, which, like, if they like one of them, they're, they're more than likely going to go and watch them over and over again. Well, yeah, and you also play into searchability a bit and also into your audience interest because not everyone is interested in hearing another breakup song. Someone, <laughs> Some people like something that's a bit more upbeat and then they can just look for a playlist that, that they like more, that they're interested in and not having to scroll through every song, listen, like, no, that's not really my thing. Like, make it easy for your audience to find what they what they are looking for. Man, I feel like I have so many questions that could kind of spur from that one there about, you know, musicians on YouTube. And I feel like you have such great insight to that. Um, but I want to kind of cover yeah. another topic for just a minute, if you, if, if you will. Um, you do these live streams. And uh-huh. you do these four to five to six hour marathon <laughs> yes. live streams. I want to talk about kind of the the start of that process. We already talked about the, the, the benefits of the interaction of the, of the community. 
but how hard was it to start doing those and kind of what have you found to be some of the bigger benefits of doing those on your channel and leaving them up by the way um well actually i'm not sure if live streams have a lot of benefit except for building community and interacting mm. with your community so that's more why i do that because i don't expect people to come back and watch the six hour live stream but it's more like I'm working on something. I want to bring people in that creative process if they want. And I can have a talk with my audience. A bit more personal than just throughout a comment or something like that. Yeah, an actual real conversation. And then I always say yeah. this frequently, you know, your internet friends start becoming your real friends. You know, those people that oh, you, yeah, you begin to know. And, you know, I've never met a lot of these people who are part of my Discord and I, I meet on Twitter, whether it be Nick or... Um, Owen or Brian or Daryl or any of these YouTube educators, but I consider them my friends. Um, they are you, awesome. And too. you know, when, when I brought on, uh, Nick and D the brothers, Nick and D Nimmin, uh, a few episodes back for the kind of retrospective for 2019 mm -hmm. and a look forward for 2020 on YouTube, I didn't think of those people as, as just internet personalities. I literally, and, and, and have talked to them about this. I consider them true friends. And, and if I need something, I'll message them and, and they'll do the same for me. And so you start to build that community. You, you block, yeah. block by block and piece by piece. And, and live streams are great for that. But I want to talk about the, the, the technical aspect of a lot of people have that hurdle, Josephine, of, of, of wondering, can I stream? Can I set it up? Can I get it to work properly? Do I have the correct uh, bit rate? Do I have the correct this and that? So talk about that for a minute. You're not a stream educator as, no, I, not I, at all. as I am, but your streams are fantastic. They, 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 they're Thank such you. great quality. So how did you get over that? Well, um, I already had like a USB audio interface, which I use for recording into GarageBand. Um, so, I don't know, I basically looked up some tutorials online, like, am I able to stream online? What do I need for that? And even if I wouldn't have had that gear, I would just live stream through my phone, because that's also a possibility. Through, uh, maybe not through YouTube, unless you have 1,000 subscribers, but you could still use the Streamlabs app. Um, and something, the things that I use for live streaming are the webcam that's on my Mac, um, a USB audio interface. I do have an effect machine that gives me some reverb, but I could also easily get that through GarageBand, which is also free. So you don't need super expensive gear. You can just use your phone. If that works for you, it works. Yeah, absolutely. And the barrier to entry is no longer there like it used to be. It's really no. not. Um, you, not. you can do it and get on YouTube University and, and look for one of my tutorials or someone else's tutorials yeah. on, on how to stream on Streamlabs or OBS or how to get streaming on. You know, I just released a video a couple of weeks ago about sh showing people in 10 to 12 minutes how to go from not knowing how to stream on YouTube to knowing everything you need to know. Um, and so th the, the information is out there. You just got to be willing to do it. Um, great answers, by the way. You're giving me so Thank much you. insight. Let's talk about the process of you making a video now. So uh, when, when, when you make a actually, you know, what this has become one of my favorite questions that I get to ask here on the podcast talk about wait you know from when you wake up to when you go to bed at night what's your day like as a YouTube creator well it's not that I'm like I'm gonna write a song and then I'm gonna edit it and then I'm gonna make a video it's not all in one day I do everything simultaneously so 
when I'm walking, it's very awkward, but I get song IDs. Uh, and so I have to hum in public, which is really weird. And <laughs> I get a lot of weird looks for that. Uh, but I have to hum song IDs. Then when I'm, for example, waiting in line somewhere, I'm making instrumentals on GarageBand that are later sent to my iMac, um, to GarageBand on my iMac. And then I can really work on the song. Then I first write the song further. Then I have to re-record everything. Um, so yeah, it's a lot that happens now simultaneously. Do you, do you have a, a a normal or in quotes regular job that you do alongside this? I'm actually in my final year of retail management. I'm still studying, and I'm already working in a store a bit as a student still. So yeah, combining that with my thesis and so you are a busy busy. <laughs> busy girl, huh? It's busy, but I, it's fun. Too. It's it's fun. It is. It really is fun. Um, as we close out this interview, you've been fantastic, by the way. And she Thank didn't. You. She. I'm sure she doesn't want me to say this, but English is not her first language, by the way, guys. And she has just <laughs> killed this interview. Um, and I just am so impressed by the way you can present yourself and present your thoughts and your ideas. I just want to brag on you, you. Uh, for that for for a bit. Um, in closing. What do you think is next for you as a YouTuber, short and long term? What are some goals that you have and some things that you've set for yourself? Um, actually, I have some goals set, but not really like I want this many subscribers. I actually have I have them in front of me. It's like make 10 collabs, uh, improve tutorials, um, improve my audience retention. And then the way you do that is by making better content, making everything more interesting. Right. But usually I write my goals and then I write like what are actually things that I need to do to uh, achieve that. Perfect. I love that. And in closing, can you let my audience know where they can get in touch with you and find you on the interwebs? Oh, yeah, sure. It's uh, Josephine Desmet, <laughs> which I hope you can somehow link because no one ever knows how to write or say my back name, my family name. Uh, so it's Josephine Desmet on YouTube, on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere. I am everywhere. She is all over the interwebs, <laughs> and that's Josephine, J-O-S-E-P-H-I-N-E, Desmet, D-E, space S-M-E-T, and I will link that in the show notes as well. Josephine, you have been an absolute pleasure to have on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to the YouTube Creators Podcast. We want to thank you and invite you to subscribe to the show as well as support us on Patreon for great perks, such as having your YouTube channel featured on the show and a link on our website. Until next time, keep uploading those videos.